So we are going to be finishing up the book of 1 John today. Uh, It's five chapters of awesomeness. John, like a good dad, has been reminding these believers, these young people, again and again and again and again. Sometimes when you're a dad, you have to say things more than once before it really sinks in, you know? So John, in real dad form, has, uh, has been reminding us of some of the basics of being a Christian, some of the basics of our, of, of our faith, the foundations that we build on. But as we're getting into chapter 5, this, you know, this has been one letter that he was writing to this church in Ephesus, or to the churches in Ephesus. And so at the end of a letter, you usually got your conclusion, like the chorus of a song. All this stuff was just to say this. And so this chapter, chapter 5, is sort of like the greatest hits of the rest of the, of the book, uh, the rest of 1 John. He's summing everything up and saying, okay, I've been saying all of this so that I could get to the message in a nutshell, right? So, uh, so we're going to we're going to get into that. But before we before we did, I just wanted to mention this is going to this is going to become important a little bit later on. I wanted to talk just very briefly about speech recognition and voice recognition because it's gonna it, it's gonna play into. The, I promise, I'm going somewhere with this. It's going to play into the message, right? So uh, we have some devices in our house and in our car that, uh, that are really cool and interactive and, and operate weirdly when, when you talk to them. They're kind of listening for you, which is a little scary. Uh, but then you say things and they do stuff and it's pretty cool. Like we've got, uh, we've got for example, our Amazon Alexa. Alexa, our Alexa is kind of a speech recognition device. It's looking for specific phrases that it understands, looking for familiar words and then it'll act upon those words, no matter who's saying them. So like I, of course, if I want it to play music, I'm clearly super spiritual, right? So I will always say, I, Alexa or Echo, please play Andre Crouch or please play, play uh, I don't know, Amy Grant or, or I, I would like to, everything Michael W. Smith ever recorded, please, would you play that? And, sh- and, and she'll do it. But because it's speech recognition and not, not voice recognition, it's just listening for a word. So anybody in my house at any point could just hijack that. Like Kendall could walk through the house and say, I don't like that. Echo, play show tunes. And she would. Or Jennifer would say, Echo, play Air Supply. Air Supply's greatest hits, right? Somebody in there is feeling it with you. Uh, or, or Ben. Ben could say, Echo, I don't like what dad's playing. Um, play King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard. Or play ween, and, 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 and he would, right? The, and, and it would. Because it doesn't matter who's doing the talking, it's just listening for the right words, and then it acts on them, right? Now, the ultimate example of this, and I warned Ben I was going to share this, the ultimate example of this is when you do voice to text. So sometimes when I'm in the car, I have to send a message. Well, I don't have to, but I choose to, and I use, I'll, I'll like open up Siri, and then I'll say, send a message to Jennifer. And so what do you want to say? And from that point on, it's speech recognition. And if Ben is in the car with me, he will just start shouting stuff and completely hijack my message. And, then, and sometimes it's like, Ben, stop. And we'll delete and we'll start over. But sometimes we just go ahead and send them. Uh, and so, so this is an actual example. 
This is a transcription. I copied it over from a message. It's a message that I sent to Jennifer from the car. And let's see, I'll read it and see if you can recognize some places where Ben just decided just to shout things up. Hi, this is me. Ben doesn't have other homework tonight. Tonight, tonight won't be just any night. Tonight. We're on the top, 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 top of the world. Because tonight, 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 whoa. We're going to make it right. Let's see. You look wonderful tonight. You look perfect tonight. Can you feel the southern nights? That's up to no, no, cancel. Sorry, it's not tonight. It's ruined tonight. And we just said, we're just going to send that. And we just sent it to Jennifer. And she sent something back that said, that, that's great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. But John has been talking about this speech recognition. There's some dangers in just operating by speech recognition. John was talking about this in chapters 2 and 3. He said, if anyone claims this, don't just believe it, test it, right? So if we just go by the words that we hear people saying and we just believe based on, oh, well, that sounds familiar, we might get into trouble. We might go awry. We might send someone a text with a bunch of stuff in it and not not really what needs to be sent. He said in chapter three, don't let anyone lead you astray. When we only operate by speech recognition, just operating by the familiar phrases, we get led astray because uh, we are, we talked about this in chapter three and chapter four. There's an antichrist spirit that wants us to embrace something that's not quite Jesus because then we'll follow it and end up not quite to God, right? We'll end up falling short. And that's the whole point. Now, what we need to operate by is like, and Siri operates by this, is voice biometric recognition. Now, what that does, and if you got an iPhone and, and you wanted to set up voice recognition, you have to speak into it. You have to repeat yourself. You have to say things again and again and again without interruption. So that way, what happens, regardless of how familiar the words are, if they're coming from a strange voice, the device won't carry out the command. This works by inputting the voice of the individual into the device and storing it in the system. And that input is kept as a print for authentication. I was reading this off of a little, uh, a little article on voice recognition. Voice recognition is a lot like iris or fingerprint recognition. Each one is unique to an individual and cannot be duplicated. That's why in the natural world, voice biometrics are used for fraud detection. And that's getting back to the message here. That's why John has been writing this letter. He's wanting to clue us in on the importance of improving our voice recognition for God so that we will listen not just for any voice, but we'll listen for his voice because there's a lot of competing voices that are wanting us to embrace different things. And the one voice that we need to listen to is the one that's going to lead us in the right direction. So he was warning against false teaching. He's alerting us to that antichrist spirit that wants us to embrace an alternative to Jesus, and he wants us to continue to grow in our identity and our faith. And so we're going to start, and it seems like we already started, but we are going to start in the scripture, 1 John 5, verses 1 through 5. Here we go. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well, or his children as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. 
This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So he's beginning, once again, this, this chapter is a summation of everything that he's been telling us. And so he begins with reaffirming for us our identity, who we are in Christ. It's established throughout this letter that if you're reading this from John, you already know Jesus, right? This isn't really an evangelistic letter as he wrote it. He's writing it to a bunch of believers. And so he's wanting to reaffirm for them, this is who you are. This is your identity. I go to this a lot. There's the Lion King, there's that amazing scene, right? He starts with identity because if you know who you are, it helps you to know who the Father is. Right? There's that scene where, uh, you know, where Simba's running around and like, he's gone on all these adventures because he was all scared and everything, and Scar's a terrible uncle and all that stuff, and it's like Hamlet with lions, and it's amazing, but he ends up like, all alone, and his, his father appears to him, and he says, you've forgotten me. And, uh, you've forgotten me, Simba, and Simba says, what are you talking about? He says, you forgot who you are, and so you've forgotten me, right? which goes to show us that if... Uh, you know, if, if we really want to get alone with God, sometimes we need to be separated from our pride. That was the dad joke today. That was it. I had to, it's Father's Day. I had to give one. We're going to edit that out when I post it, though. It's fine. So, so John is writing to followers of Jesus. I, I actually thought that was going to go over a lot worse than it did. So that's, thank you. He's describing what believers are supposed to look like and who they are. And the description that he gives us also sounds a lot like Jesus, because as we grow to know God, we become more and more like Jesus. Even in 1 John, he has said, we are like Jesus in this earth. So that's what he's trying to remind us of. This is who we are. And so what John has been telling us for about four chapters, he's been reminding us of a few things. Number one, you are a child of God. Number two, you are an instrument for his love and for his will. If his love, he's said this in the book, if, if, if his love, if God's love is going to be expressed to the world, it's going to come through you. If his will is going to be accomplished in the world, it's going to come through you. A lot of times because you are his vessel. You are his children. And then what he mentions here, he introduces this idea in these first five verses of chapter, chapter five. You are an over comer. This is maybe the, the most important, if not one of the most important takeaways that we can get from 1 John. If you don't remember anything else today from this message, you can forget the dad joke. That's fine. But if you don't, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. You are an overcomer. You are an overcomer. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's mentioned you are an overcomer. Anyone who is in Christ overcomes the world. You are the overcomers of God. So we're going to take a look at two things really quickly. What does being an overcomer mean? And here are the two key ingredients of being an overcomer. Number one, overcoming means eternal life with God. Overcoming means eternal life with God. God is love, and in our relationship with him, as Isaiah was pointing out earlier, we are made complete. We're made 
whole. Jesus made a way for us to be in God's presence forever. And he repaired the relationship that was broken by people that we couldn't repair on our own. Jesus overcame sin. And when he did, he tore down this wall of separation that existed between humanity and their creator. Jesus broke down that wall. And he broke down all of the eternal consequences that sin brings. So apart from Jesus, you can have eternal life, but it wouldn't be with God. But with Jesus, in him, you are an overcomer. And that means after this life is over, you live eternally in complete and total perfect relationship with the one who created you, with the Father, because you are his kid. So, and, it, and that's wonderful, right? That is, that, that's amazing. So Jesus overcame sin. He overcame the separation that it brings from God. He overcame the eternal consequences that sin brings. And because he overcame it, when you are in him, you've overcome it too. You win. You win. Uh, Psalm uh, 16, 10 and 11 says, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And that's amazing. But that's not the whole picture. Sometimes we, uh, we have you, you ever heard the phrase or you met people like they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good? Have you ever heard that phrase? Like they're so, so concerned about eternity, so concerned about far off, so focused on things that aren't happening right now that they're really not much good right now if you need them. Um, but Jesus also, and this is what John is trying to tell us, Jesus made us overcomers. So that means that we have eternal life with God, but overcoming, number two, also means we have victory in this world. We, our, our eternity is victorious now in Christ. But Paul, or not Paul, John wants us to know that in this world, you also have victory. You also have victory. John wrote about exactly this in verses 4 and 5. 1 John 5, 4 and 5, he said, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. When we talk about overcoming the world, especially with new believers, sometimes it's confusing because they think, well, God made the world, right? Why would we need to overcome that, right? If God created all of this, then what's so bad about it that we need to overcome? Why do we need victory over it? So um, God did create the world. And once again, 1 John is all about getting back to the basics. So that's what we're doing right now, getting back to the basics. God did create the world, but really early on, if you read in Genesis, uh, what he created and entrusted us we messed up and gave over control to another, right? So real early on, we, uh, we were in perfect relationship, sinless relationship with God, but then Adam and Eve uh, went a different way, and they brought in sin into the world, and they gave themselves over to another. And we do this when we sin again and again and again. We give control, at least for that moment, over to another, we turn our backs on God, and we, and we say, yeah, I know what you've done for me, but in the moment, I want that. And when we do that, we, uh, we give control over to another. Now, when it happened in the garden, it had these 
long-lasting consequences, right? Humanity separated itself from him, allowing sin to come in and allowing others to have control of the world and access to us. John actually talks about this in his gospel, chapter 3, verses 19 and 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And he mentions exactly how that plays out in verse 19 of this chapter. 1 John 5, 19 says, We know that we are children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And you can see that control on display all the time, right? Anything, and we can just name off the seven deadly sins as motivations for actions that people commit. Anything motivated by greed or hatred or jealousy or lust or anger, we see the consequences of those things because there are these internal motivations that people have when they have not embraced Jesus and they're allowing another to have control rather than joining in with the one who has overcome all of that. So there are spiritual forces that are active in the world that are not God and they want us to embrace and respond to something that's not Jesus. And without him in our lives, we actually, we end up falling for it again and again and again and again and again. And that's a bit of a downer moment in the message, but here we go. We're going to start talking about the good stuff. Because of Jesus, we have another option. Because of Jesus, that doesn't have to be our destination. Because of Jesus, our history spiritually doesn't have to be our destiny spiritually. 1 John 3, 8 He already wrote to us, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And he did it. He did it completely and utterly. He destroyed the devil's work. And in verse 18 of this chapter, he's reminding us that we share in that victory. And so let's read that. 1 John 5, 18 and 20. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one, capital O, Jesus, the one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true by being, his, uh, by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God, and he is eternal life. So being an overcomer means we overcome In eternity, we overcome here in this world. But just in order to make sure that everything is clear, here's what overcoming isn't. Overcoming doesn't mean that life is trouble-free. What had to have happened for you to be an overcomer? You had to have had a challenge. You had to have had a problem. You had to have had a mountain to climb. You don't overcome nothing. You know, you overcome Challenge. You overcome struggle. You overcome anxiety. You overcome uh, whatever hindrance has been put in your way. In Jesus, you can get past, over, break through all of those things. So by definition, being an overcomer means that you know, we needed something to get past. So if you're in the, the season right now where you're trying to get past something, if you're in the middle of or if you're hitting a wall, if you're in the middle of an obstruction in your path and you just can't seem to get by it, just remember this. You are, in Christ, an overcomer. You are an overcomer. And what's in your way is soon to be a testimony of God's power working working through you, right? You'll get to the other side. Walls have two sides, y'all. 
Walls have two sides. And once you get to the other side, I mean, it's just, it's behind you. You got to put your behind in your past, right? You're another great Lion King quote. Uh, but, but it's not trouble-free. In Matthew 5.45, uh, it says, he sends rain on the just and the unjust. John 16.33 says, in this world, Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And in him, you overcome it too. But those challenges that we face actually provide us an opportunity, once again, to be more like Jesus in this world, to trust God, to listen to him, to follow his leading. Jesus put us in the position of being overcomers, but walking that path is up to us. He set us in the right position. In him, he's overcome, so we've overcome in him. But then we got to move forward. And as we move forward, maintaining that position is up to us. It's our responsibility. He lets us choose. 1 John 5, 4. This is in the NLT. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. So two very quick points about walking as an overcomer. And once again, this whole thing has been about basics. And so these are not going to be a surprise to you, but there's something that we need to be reminded of. So walking as an overcomer is, first of all, faith. First John 5, 4, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Like everyone born of God has overcome the world. So the question is, well, how, how do we do that? And John says, this, this is how you do it. Even our faith, even our faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the trust that we put in the word and, and in, the, in the spirit of God speaking to us, and we say, you know, I can't see it, but I believe, and I'm going to act based not on what I see in front of me, but what you've spoken. That's the faith. That's the victory that overcomes the world. That's how we receive Jesus in the first place. I did not see him get crucified, die, buried, resurrected. I was not there, but I accepted it on faith. And that has been how I've overcome so many times in this life. It's by faith. Jesus, I didn't see it, but I hear it. I receive it. I believe it. it I feel you in that, and I'm just going to choose to believe that. I'm going to exercise my faith and walk based on that, not based on the thing I saw or didn't see. We put our trust in God and we receive his love through Jesus. We take steps to grow in our relationship with him and we listen for his leading. Jesus is, uh, or John is saying that uh, our faith in Jesus and our victory over the world is the same thing. It's the same thing. So walking as an overcomer, first is faith. Second thing is obedience. 1 John 5, 2 and 3 said, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. He says there that his commands are not burdensome. I tell you what, they're certainly not as burdensome as trying to live by a bunch of religious rules. Certainly not as burdensome as trying to live without any clue of what to do or any direction. Living lost is so hard. Living unfocused is so hard, but living under the direction and the voice and the leading of God 
is so simple. It's not always easy, but it's simple. And it really is just these two things. We do what he's asked us to do. And we avoid what he's asked us to avoid. That is obedience. That's the, Darren, the DSV, the Darren Shaw version of obedience. We do what he asked us to do, and we avoid what he asked us to avoid because he knows best. He knows. <laughs> Anybody a fan of The Office? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Scott, you, you cheated on me when I specifically asked you not to? It's just, I feel, I, that, that's God to us. So many times, right? We're just reading in Jeremiah this morning, and he's, talking to, he's comparing the church to, uh, to a spouse who's cheating all the time. And that's what God is saying over us. Wait, wait, wait. You're cheating on me when I specifically asked you not to? Come on. You know, we do the things he asks us to do. We avoid the things he's asked us to avoid. 1 John 5, 21 says, Dear children, this is how he ends the whole letter. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from anything that would take his place in your hearts. And you know when it happens. When you start looking to something other than God for your direction, for your next step, for your fulfillment, for your joy, for your happiness, for your peace, for your comfort, we can substitute a lot of things in God's place for those. But John is very clear as he ends this letter, Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And this brings us back to where I started this, in voice recognition. Voice recognition. Keep away from anything that's trying to take God's place in your hearts. Well, how do you know what God's trying to bring to you? We continue listening for him. And if you're having trouble hearing, God's got a weird way of speaking, right? Hopefully this makes sense. But he speaks to me through every sense possible. Whatever it is that happens to be open at the time. Sometimes he speaks to me and I'll, 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 I'll have a thought that just wasn't there that pops open and I'll think, wait, 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 is that in line with what he told me? And if it is, I think, oh, that must be the Holy Spirit trying to speak to me. I'm going to test that out and see if that's true. Sometimes, he's, sometimes I'll see something, not even like something that's in the room, but sometimes, you know, you, you will think it's our imagination. You'll get, you'll get just a picture of something, and, it, and it's encouraging. It brings you some peace, brings you some clarity on it, and you can ask God, was that you? Sometimes we hear something. Sometimes we just feel something. Like you can, it's, you've been in a service like this before where somebody's saying something and you just feel a little flutter, a little something deep in the chest. I believe that's the Holy Spirit. I believe that's God speaking to us. And we need to ask to become more sensitive to his voice in the many ways that it speaks. There are so many competing voices in the world and they are all desiring our attention. They're all desiring our affection some of those voices are going to tell us things, show us things, make us hear things that sound pretty good. But like we talked about last week, um, discernment isn't knowing right from wrong. It's knowing right from almost right. There's going to be so many things that we hear from so many competing voices that sound really good, but John has encouraged us already. Test them out. Test them out. Following things that are off will lead us astray. It's only the voice that God speaks in that helps us, as John said in chapter one, to walk in the light. 
It's the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. So as we spend time with him, this relationship is developed like any other relationship. As we spend time with him, as we have conversation with him, we speak, but also we listen. As we read the things that we have in the Bible that that have been passed down to us, we learn his ways. We learn what his voice sounds like. As we ask him, God, help me to know your voice. He will help us. He will make it clear. And as we do that, and we test what we hear, what we're doing is we're inputting and we're storing in our system the unique voice print of the Father. And that becomes our guiding force, and it becomes our fraud detection device, right? When we know what his voice sounds like, we'll know what his voice doesn't sound like. 